Hello, this is Jerry Durham, and I want to welcome you to the front desk series of the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. I've always said that people are the true disruption in healthcare, and the front desk people are a huge part of this. Thanks for listening. Okay, welcome back to the front desk series of the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. This is episode number five, and as I've mentioned before in the past, uh, I wanted to get into some interviews for these, and I'm very excited today for my first interview, because as you all know here on the Healthcare Disruption Podcast, I believe the conversation with the people that are or have been patients is the number one solution to healthcare, and bringing that conversation into our healthcare discussions around disruption, around front desk, around the patient life cycle, anything else is the key to solutions within healthcare. So today I'd like to welcome Tina all the way over from the UK. How are you doing, Tina? I'm fine, thank you. It's good to good to be talking to you. Good, I'm so excited to have Tina on today. Um, I'm gonna let Tina share a fair amount. Um, because as you all know, she is in the UK and we have discussed how the system is different and yet I think there is a lot of similarities and she does have a lot of the same passions that I do in the sense of she likes to make sure that people have as much information and can build that trust in those popular words that I have even prior to seeing their physios. So Tina, I'd like to turn it over to you and maybe share a little bit about your story, what you're doing now, and, uh, and then we can go on from there. Okay, so if I tell you a little bit about, about my story first. Um, so my persistent pain story goes back 10 years now, summer of 2008. Um, and I basically had a, a manual handling injury. So I was um, clearing out, if you like, an old Victorian house um, and suffered a prolapse disc. I even know the jargon, uh, L5-S1 prolapse disc, which compressed my um, S1 sciatic nerve root. Um, but apart from the jargon, basically, what it meant was that I was, I was in excruciating pain. Um, um, I couldn't go to the loo. I literally was in a bad way. Um, Five days in, in hospital where they were trying to check that there weren't, uh, there wasn't anything like corda equina and so on involved. Came out of hospital, um, took quite a, a few weeks to go back to being able to walk, um, took probably a year or so to being able to sit, although that still hasn't resolved itself. Um, so a long, long process of rehabilitation. Um, went back to work far too quickly, um, mainly because I was told that all the statistics said that if I didn't go back to work quickly, I would never go back. Um, so that's what I did, um, which I think has helped as well. Um, had lots of input for the first few years lots of physiotherapy support uh, I've had surgery back surgery rheumatology support etc etc um, lots of medications and much the same story as everybody else uh, 
three years in, I managed to have some physiotherapy care from a physiotherapist called Matt Lowe, who treated me in a totally different way, treated me far more holistically, far more functionally. And that's when I started to learn how to manage my situation and basically how to live a good life, even though I... I think we locked up a little bit there. So you had mentioned Matt allowed you, uh, if you don't mind just repeating Matt, after you saw Matt, it allowed you to? It allowed me to learn to, to live better with, with the persistent pain. So um, it learned me to accept it. It learned me to, it taught me to, um, make adaptations to my life, understand what was going on, and just generally get out there and carry on living despite being in pain. Yeah, just as a side note for everybody, this is one small, one small world out there. So I had connected through Twitter, of course, as I connect with so many people. I'd connected with Matt Lowe on Twitter, and we've continued conversations on Twitter and off Twitter because I I've always loved his approach and like so much of the other research and experience I've looked at, I've always tried to engage folks that I agree with their approach because I've tried to look on how to move this thought or conversation or whatever they have about what successful treatment is further upstream. And then coincidentally, the first time I'm talking to Tina, probably because I hadn't read all her content, I started to understand that Matt Lowe was her physio at the time. So I was like, this is one small world. All coming together. So how long ago was that that you saw Matt? Um, it was four years in after the accident so that must be about six years ago. Yeah. Okay. So so I had one episode of care I call it with with Matt at that time and then I've had a more recent one as a top-up if you like um, during the last year or so. Excellent. So let's, um, so just for context, what is the name of your blog online, Tina, that I recommend um, everybody read? It's called Living Well with Pain. Yeah, and it's, yeah, sorry, yes. go on. No, that's okay. And it's livingwellpain.net. Yeah, I recommend everybody go there and at the very least go to the blog page and start clicking around as what I love about Tina's blogs is there's a perspective and def she redefines some of the words, shall we say that I like to use. Um, and she'll probably make you think about some of the words uh, we use. And um, she's got a great blog that she just posted recently on the therapeutic Alliance that I think everybody needs to take a read through. Just know this. Don't forget you're looking at a blog from the UK. So if you see a date six to 18, it wasn't from, or sorry, six two nineteen. It wasn't written in the future for June second, two thousand nineteen. It was actually fed. I did that. I went through and I'm looking at all the leading numbers, thinking I was looking. Yeah. So just right. for context, those are things we just always got to keep in mind. The metric system, you know, all that stuff. We got to keep it. Yeah. Indeed. Thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to, if you don't, well, let's let's go in. You you told me right before we jumped on what you're passionate about and. Not, not every 
person who is a patient, was a patient, goes out and creates a, creates a blog post and a website and, and gets involved on social media to try to have conversations with other people, Tina. So tell me what led you there and what things you're passionate about? Um, so, so let me tell you some of the things I'm passionate about. So, so if I reflect back on my experience, I can, I can see that there was care that has been beneficial to, if you like, my lifelong learning and ability to live with, with persistent pain. Um, some of the care was good. Some of the care was perhaps not quite so good, but I think I'm lucky to have been given some care that has allowed me to, to, to have such positive attitude and, and to move forward. And I'm really aware that there are lots of people that haven't been that lucky. Um, I'm also aware that when I first started having physiotherapy, I had no idea what to expect from a physiotherapist. I had, I call it, I had no patient skills whatsoever. I was probably fairly compliant, fairly passive. I didn't know how to get the best out of a physiotherapist. I didn't know what a physiotherapist did or what they could do for me. And I just think that if people were more aware of how physiotherapists can help, that actually they can improve their, their situation. They could perhaps become less disabled um, and have a better life. Obviously not everybody. Yeah, lots of people I'm sure do know what physiotherapists do and how they can help, but I didn't. And I'm sure there must be lots of people out there that, that don't either. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I'm not going to disagree with you on any of that is that if you didn't understand, then there are probably others. It doesn't mean everybody or nobody yet. Um, I, I'd agree fully on that. You know, you brought up this interesting word, which is one of these words I ran across in your blog post, this patient skills word. And um, <clears throat> I saw it when I was reading, and I immediately had this little formula definition going on in my head. And then when I read what you had to say after that, I shouldn't say it was completely different, but it was extremely different. And I thought a lot better use of the term than I'd probably use. Can you share a little bit more about that term patient skills. I know you kind of defined it, but I want to make sure the listeners hear that again, because this really starts to describe the relationship. Would you agree that needs to occur between the provider and the patient? Uh, absolutely. So um, I've also written some blogs about therapeutic alliance, as, as you've said, and certainly the, if I reflect on the, physiotherapy care that I had with, with Matt Lowe, um, where I think we had a, a strong therapeutic alliance in terms of there was a um, mutual respect. Um, I felt able that I could ask those stupid questions that had been buzzing around my head that, you know, you, you're scared of asking because somebody will think that, that you, you're just off the planet. Um, the, it, I, d I didn't know when I started how to enter in that relationship. 
and I didn't have any support for my initial physiotherapists. I, they, they didn't teach me how to enter into that relationship. They didn't help me to become an inquiring patient that, that could learn and could not, not demand to learn, but, but maybe push a little bit maybe push the physiotherapist into a bit more support and so on. Um, I think the term patient skills is really interesting, isn't it? Because I don't think it's a term that physiotherapists will be very um, happy to use in many ways because it almost implies that patients don't have any skills. So let's teach patient skills. And that feels a bit almost looking down on patients. But from my point of view, I want the skills to be able to get the best out of um, my phys physiotherapy or any clinician care. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. I've got one follow-up to that. So how does the provider start that conversation and then what kind of structure? So you, I'll tell you the context just in case. I wrote down, you know, ask stupid questions, your words. Didn't know how to enter the relationship. So let's go back and share how would that have best been managed by, and by the way, this is where I'm going to wander out a little bit, by maybe before you arrived or is it best? I'm not asking you where it's best. You just tell me where you think this could have started and what, more importantly, what needs to happen to start this. So, so I think the, I think it's a journey. So I don't think it's one particular place that, that you try and teach patient skills or try and learn patient skills. So if I reflect back on my journey, if I, I was in the hospital for five days, if anybody in the hospital had sat me down and explained what I could get out of the physiotherapy care that I was about to be um, referred into, um, that would have helped. It would have helped if I'd had some written information beforehand, you know, even on the basics of what does a physiotherapist do? What can a physiotherapist do for people with my condition? And then it goes all the way through, doesn't it? So it goes into um, when you get to the clinic, maybe information being available there, whether it's in video format, what, whether it's people who, who may discuss it with you. Um, and then obviously into the physiotherapists themselves. So they, they must, physiotherapists must be aware that when you've, you've had a life-changing injury and you're suddenly um, in a physiotherapy clinic, that actually you don't necessarily know what's going on and you don't know how best to, I'm going to call it, behave as a patient. I think I can call it that, whereas I think it's more difficult for you to say that. Right, right. Uh, that's awesome, Sharon. I'm taking notes during this whole thing, by the way. Um, so, f you know, you say life-changing. 
and automatically everybody's now defining, right? Oh, who are those people I see life changing? Oh, all these people over here haven't had a life changing event. I was going to ask your feedback on that term. Would you, um, <clears throat> and I, I don't know the right answer at this point. I, 10 years ago, I would have told you the right answer. There's not at this point. I don't, isn't anybody seeking health care, health care, um, care by a health provider, um, aren't they experiencing some kind of life-changing event because they can't do something or they're limited in something that usually pertains to their life? And this gets around, now I'm going to throw this on top of it, this gets around to the point that nobody has ever scheduled physical therapy for low back pain. Nobody has ever scheduled physical therapy for shoulder pain. They've scheduled, at least people call in, right, as a maybe referred. They've shown up in the doctor's office. They've shown up on your website. They've shown up in your clinic because they can't do something specifically. So to me, that is a life-changing event. Is that too broad? Is that too extreme? Um, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I suppose to me, when I talk about life-changing, I'm talking about something that isn't going to be resolved within a matter of weeks or, or something and will have an impact for the rest of your life. So, so if I look back, um, so I've also had physiotherapy for shoulder impingements and so on, and that's more of a transient problem, if you like. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. You know, even my shoulder impingements, that, that stopped me doing things. So at that period of my life, it was life-changing. Thank you for that answer because now you helped me to go down further here. So to me, now I'm going to put this back out to the audience regardless, and this is why I say, even though I'm going to say this publicly right now, we're not going to edit it out, even though our systems may be different, and I'm doing hard quotes things with my finger, even though our systems may be may be different the wants and the needs and of this relationship are all the same so I'm, I'm going to go out in a limb there and that's why typically you'll see me shouting out all the time as long as we're all dealing with people we're dealing with the same thing we can argue about the systems we can argue about the pair models we can't throw the people in the argument about the system and the pair models so there's my soapbox i'll step down now so based on the definition you just, not definition, the sharing you just gave us, that I would think it's important, again, even more so, not to have a 1230 low back pain patient on anybody's schedule. Because all that, is it transient? Is it life-changing? How is this affecting your person on your schedule? And my, you know, my thesis and my argument is, if I have a little bit more information for you, the provider, walking in the door, then that provider is better prepared for that, for that interaction. Yep, I fully agree. So I'm guessing, and I don't know, um, I'm guessing that the physiotherapist that, that met me knew very little about me. Um, about you. That's an important term here I want everybody to think about. They knew very little about her. I guarantee you, everybody knew your knew your age because they yep. had the date of birth. They probably knew your first name, maybe both names, first and last. Probably both. Yep. Okay, so let's step back. Everybody knew low back pain, full name, date of birth, 
and time she was on the schedule. Now, is that everything about her? Did they know anything about her? I'd say they know zero. I, I would take all that away except for time you are scheduled if people would just put that Tina is coming in because she's had a four-year bout with low back pain that started for, right, a four-year or a bout of low back pain that started four years ago. It is worsening now. That, to me, will move you further along in any evaluation than those four other things that we all see. And by the way, that's the same thing here. <clears throat> that's the same thing here. The bulk of people are walking into a diagnosis, date of birth and full name. But, but actually, my, my experience is potentially even worse than that. So I'll give you that. <clears throat> if I look back, and, and I have the benefit of actually having some clinical notes of one of my physiotherapy episodes of care, um, pre-MAT, so, so when it was um, maybe the therapeutic alliance was fairly weak, um, fairly superficial, uh, concentration was mainly on giving me exercises, probably core exercises, which I don't really think was going to help me, but, but I didn't know that at the time. Um, if I look at those notes, the only thing after however many sessions that was written on the notes about me was the job that I did and the fact that I liked gardening before um, my injury. And I think that's quite telling because it wasn't a successful episode of care. Nobody looked at my functional ability in the outside world. Um, I wasn't helped to live. Um, and I, I haven't taken anything from that episode of care. So one, one of the blogs I'm writing at the minute is called Beyond the Clinic. At least that's the title at the moment. It might change before I finish it. And that's all about how has the physiotherapy care that I've had impacted on my life? How has it benefited me? Or not. Or not. And certainly the, the original um, four or five sessions of physiotherapy, they might have helped for a short time at the time, but they've had no lasting impact. I think it wasn't until Matt took it into a more holistic view. Um, Can you describe what you mean by that, Tina? It doesn't matter if it fits anybody else's definition. I want to know what you mean by he took a more holistic view. Um, so he, well, let's, let's do the scientific terms again. So he, he treated me within a biopsychosocial model. He used cognitive functional therapy. Holy crap, I don't even think I understand those. Uh-oh. Yeah, but, but pushing back to one side, he looked at me as a person. He looked at how the pain was impacting on my function. He helped me um, to be able to learn to sit and so on with less pain. He almost wiped away the rule books for me. Um, I'd always been told that I must sit up straight and so on. And I had to be taught that actually you don't need to, you need to listen to the pain. You, you, that, that sort of thing. 
Um, and he, he taught me about the complexity of pain. So he, he taught me about how negative stress impacts it, positive stress. And it just meant that I could take a wider view of my life. Um, and actually, with that understanding, I've been able to put in pain management skills of my own to, to actually learn to manage it um, in a much better way. Does that make any sense? Very much so. Very much so. So let me, I'm going to, we're going to go down this path again and we're going to acknowledge that you're in the UK and I'm in the US. But I want to ask you some questions based on your experience that I think you can share. And I'm not trying to lead you down any path. I just, I'm, I'm curious because, again, the, the, your story. So, again, we started this out. I just want to tell everybody Tina and I started this conversation out with making sure I understood how different the systems were. And I said, I understand. Yet, as anybody listening, I'm going to say on any continent in any country, to a patient sharing their story, this is no different than a lot of people. Not everybody, not nobody, a lot. So therefore, if we focus the system around whom and what, right, or whom instead of what, we might be a lot more successful. If we focus the system around this person who is potentially going to be a patient at every level, then we can be more successful. So just for context, uh, if we could go back a little bit, Tina, you told me how you were referred to physio. So can you share that, how it wasn't a phone call or anything like that? No, the, the, in the UK under the NHS, um, the way you get referred to physio is, is basically um, whoever the referrer is do, does whatever they do. Um, and then you get a letter in the post telling you what time the appointment is. And I, I shared with you, and I'm happy to share it. The, the only thing I can remember about these letters is it just says, and you may have to, to get it part, partly undressed, I think it says. So that is the only part of the letter that I can remember that actually refers or gives you any insight into what's going to happen in those physiotherapy clinics. And to be honest, if anything, it would put you off, it would put somebody like me off because you don't know what, what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, the, the what, the what part. And, and again, it doesn't need to be this long, drawn-out bios. We're going to go through a biosocial cycle evaluation. It just, you know, part of it is if the letter even shows you on a map where the office is and what time to arrive and why you, what paperwork you may need to fill out. I, I don't even go into the care part of it it's so much with that. Do you yeah. think all that stuff could be a little more helpful? It could have been a little more helpful to you. Um, I don't know. The, 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 I don't have necessarily have a great problem with the the letter. It tells you the time. What I think could have been more helpful is for some information, extra information, to be included. Cool. Maybe some websites suggested that you could go on to. Maybe mm -hmm. some links to videos or whatever, so that you could have some idea of, of what to expect and i know this i i love this so i'm going to follow up now on specifics of those so let me just ask you and of course these are things i teach and do 
So whether you think they'd be helpful to you or not, I'm asking them because I'm a little biased, but I just expect you. Um, I don't know in the system, Do were you scheduled with Matt when you got the letter? Or did Matt happen to pick you up after you were on his schedule? Does that make sense? Did you show up and Matt picked you up or were you scheduled with Matt? No, I was scheduled with Matt. So on the letter, it tells you which physiotherapist you're with. Oh, actually, I take that as a huge positive thing. And you're saying if you could have gone, so let me ask you a follow-up. If you could have gone to a website and seen a short pre-recorded video of Matt's face describing his approach at least, because it wouldn't be about you, but it would be his approach. Could that have helped you build some trust maybe, decrease some fear yeah. maybe? Yeah. yeah. The, the other thing that I yeah. think is lacking over here, and I don't know whether you do it over there, is that we don't. We, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say we don't. Uh, is that we? I don't have any idea. Um, so from the range of physiotherapists I've had, when I get the letter, I have no idea if they have any particular specialisms. I've got no idea yeah. whether they're junior or more senior. And to, to be honest, my presentation was quite complex, I think. So it would have been nice to, to have some idea. I think Matt has got something on, on his letter that indicates, but, but not, not the others. Oh, well, uh, so we can take that as progress then. And I'm serious. That, that's great. We, we don't have, I do know this, we don't have the levels because I've seen them referenced um, in writing and I didn't know what they were. And, and so we, we don't have these levels. Yet what I try to do with the phone call, and I would encourage in a letter, is to talk about why that physio. Because see, in my world, someone would have had a, the doctor, right? So the doctor, that letter gets generated somehow, some way. And whoever had the conversation with you, right? in my opinion, should have collected even small amounts about your, hold on, I wrote this word down, about your life yeah. outside of your diagnosis. And if they could make sure that the person they aligned you with, they could specifically say that in a letter or a video, then to me, that again, goes further to build that alliance, right? Not yeah. just therapeutic alliance, but that alliance that I'm heading to the right place, then you meet Matt, yes, I am in the right place, and then I'm all about just trying to, that world of marginal gains. If I can increase your trust a little bit before you arrive and then Matt continues to increase it, then you're going to have a better outcome. Yeah, I agree. And then there's the other side of it as well, isn't there? So um, there's the, the, the side when um, five, six years ago when I was discharged for Matt's care, what happens then? It's, you oh, know, yeah. We love that has, word discharge. I uh, challenge everybody on this never to use that word again in your life. Yeah. As, as a patient. Yeah. Tell me what think, you feel like, please. Well, in, in a fairly, if you like, desperate situation in terms of knowing that you're going to carry on living your life in persistent pain, you're very alone. So across here, we can't well certainly from the NHS I can't just suddenly say right I want to go and see him once a month and I, I want to go and see him maybe once a year to actually keep some continuity going it doesn't work like that over here um, 
But I, I think it's important. I think it's, if you've got a, a long-term condition, I think it's important that to have some kind of continuity. Yeah, that's interesting. You say, you said the term long-term, what was it? Condition? Is that what you just said, Tina? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I almost think we need to err, not I think, I believe this. We need to err on the side that the person that has just completed a course of care and left us is potentially facing that. So if we err on that and we reach out and reach out on a regular scheduled basis and you say no and no, that's great. But, but, and sorry, not, but, and we're reaching out because we care. And then if there is a situation, then we could say, because this is the beauty of that communication. It, if anybody listening to this believes it's just about increasing number of visits and getting paid more, this is where I'll, I'll swing it around that it's not about that. And it truly is you care because I'm hoping the physio who makes that contact with you can help you out in a 15 minute phone call. And if I can talk to someone three months down the road and say, well, you know, from what I hear you say, Tina, is I would like you to change this over the next couple of weeks, two weeks, and just do this part differently. Give yourself, you know, cut your walks back that you're doing back to this amount of time, cut you, cut your walks back to this amount of time and then ramp them back up and I'm going to follow up with you in two weeks and I call you back and you're like, Jerry, it worked perfectly. Oh my God. Yeah. I helped you. I kept, I kept you out of this system, which is universally great. I don't care where anybody lives. Right. And I was able to solve a problem with you with a phone call. It's not all yeah. about getting people back in the clinic. Yeah. And, and I should probably say that, that over in the UK, I'm sure that sort of thing does happen in terms of private physiotherapy yeah. okay. clinics. Okay. So if I was um, paying for, for physiotherapists, and, and some of what you say, I would, I would see. So I might be able to go on their website and actually see a little bit about the, the physiotherapist before I decided yeah. to go and go to that clinic, if you like. And it would be easier for me, obviously, to maintain a relationship. Um, sadly, Matt doesn't work on, on privately, so <laughs> I can't do that. Um, I think that was a great point to have a circle back around and say, we, yeah, th those systems exist here where you can't do that, right? And meaning you can't go online. You can't, if, you know, I'm going to argue your physio probably wouldn't schedule a follow-up phone call. And yet those are the places right now where I'm trying to make my biggest impact right now. And those are places where I'm having my conversation because I believe the need is greatest in that setting. If for no other reason than just sheer numbers and volume. And so proving that it works here and not works here in making everybody more money, proving that it works here based on patient related data patient directed data that the hospital said we could, we just bunch it all up in the hospital care here um, that the hospital settings could benefit greater. So I would love to be able to bring that in and um, I'm working with another gentleman, you know, of how to, how to bring in a telehealth type visit into that example I just gave you. So you're finished with your course of care and you and I are scheduled in three months for a, quick follow-up like you and I for people on the other end of this 
we're on Zoom right now, I can see Tina. So I could be having this conversation with her and she says, I'm doing awesome. And I say, that's great. Are you sure there's nothing? How, how is your exercise program going well? How's your sleeping well? How's your nutrition well? We say, great. I mean, that, that's a win-win for everybody. And then if you say it's not great, I can address it on that phone call and we can figure out what best to do. And that, that to me, that 15-minute investment can save everybody a huge amount. Yeah, certainly from my point of view, um, I think that would be invaluable, absolutely invaluable. Um, yeah, having access to someone. Now, Matt is, I want everybody to know this <clears throat> will not be titled, titled the Matt Lowe um, Fan Show. <laughs> no, as you've heard, this is the Matt Lowe Fan Club. It won't be the Matt Lowe Fan Show. Um, yeah, I, yeah, you know, Matt's a great example, great leader, great, should inspire a lot of physios on how to approach his patients. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I don't even think everybody needs to be as smart as Matt, nor practice at the level that Matt does to get some of the same results he does. And again, if they were given access and had this same system and were able to follow up with people, then ultimately the outcomes for the patients to live their life, I'm doing the quotes things, would be greater. And, and I agree with you. And again, if I look back at the other physiotherapists that I had, um, they were perfectly nice people. I'm sure that technically they were perfectly good physiotherapists. If they were given the skills and if they had put a different emphasis on my care um, and actually looked at it more functionally and looked at it more holistically then I'm sure that they could have been as successful as, as somebody like Matt um, but it was it was a different type of care totally different and it was I needed the more holistic care. Let me ask you a side note, Tina. Did you notice in those clinics, the whole clinics treating people that way, or were you not really aware of what was going on in the rest of the clinic? I'm just curious. Um, it seemed to be that individual or the whole clinic. No, I think it was the whole clinic. Yeah. And, just... and, yeah. and I attended the, the same clinic, probably a different physiotherapist for my shoulder problems. And oh, okay. that was much, that was much the same. Okay, I see. It, it, that was okay for my shoulder, to be honest, um, but didn't work well for the persistent pain condition that I have. Uh, this is interesting because I want to get back to, I, I've heard it, of course, I have my biases and beliefs, yet, you know, what happens before and what happens after is key here. Um, and Tina, the same physio, think about this for a second, people. The same physio who helped Tina for her shoulder were not the right clinic. I'm going to say clinic. Yeah. Was not the right clinic for her low back pain. This to me says that that where you do that screen and yeah. where you gather the information is so important because my goal with my, you know, with my training, the non-providers, so the people that are going to be dealing with Tina before she arrives, when she arrives, and then after she leaves how we train them to have a conversation with someone is important because everybody has heard me say this. Everybody who calls your clinic is not the right fit for your clinic. Oh, sorry. I say this backwards every time. Not everybody who calls your clinic is the right fit for your clinic and listening to that story and listening a little more and allowing what 
for them to share their life with you. And I know 99% of you just freaked out and think you're going to have to spend 30 minutes on a phone call, but it doesn't have to happen because Tina knows what she, what she would like to share. And if you give her the opportunity, she would probably share a little more. And then you could not waste anybody else's time, energy, and money from that point forward if you're not the right fit for her, if you've trained your front people properly. I'm going to leave that one there. Um, because I'm hearing, again, the work done by Matt, excellent. The work done by the physios for the shoulder, excellent. And again, some follow-up, some work on the front end could have possibly saved some time, money, and energy also. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I'm going to take that out of your business model and actually say I lost two or three years, four years of not my life because it, it wasn't as bad as that. But if I had had a physio that was matched to what I needed from the beginning, then my journey would have been very different to, to what it was. That, so for those of you who just heard that, roll it back and listen again. I don't, I personally put that back on the people running the clinic, owning the clinic, managing the clinic to make sure that the people answering the phone and delivering the care can be humble enough and can ask the right questions and be empowered to say, I can't help you yet. I know who can for everybody who ever called my clinic, who said, no, I made sure they had another phone number. And, and, I would ask you as a physio, um, you know, if I rocked up from hospital or whatever, not being able to walk and all that sort of stuff, and I was allocated to one of your physios, would that physio need to do some sessions with me first to then be able to refer me to the right person? Or do you think that you would be able to pick up enough about me to get that right match first. So the way, the way that's an awesome question. So my answer to that question is yes. You asked me two completely different questions and they're both yes. I believe if we set this up properly, we as in everywhere, I'm going, I'm going everywhere. If we set this up properly, the front desk becomes an initial screening process. Their goal is not to schedule you or not schedule you. Their goal is to make sure the right person is having the right conversation with you. So a couple of the paths I have built in are that you, Tina, get a short call. Again, again, the problem here is not the time, it's priority. That you could get a short call with the person who would be your physical therapist. Mm. And you get to ask them specific questions and they get to make the choice because no, the front desk should be making all choices, but the front desk knows, you know, if someone calls up and says, look, I've been dealing with chronic pain my whole life and I need to see someone trained in this. There are many clinics out there should flat out say, we can't help you, but they're saying yes right now. So in that example, the front desk could take that. And most of them would probably still have you talk to a physio, but I believe it should happen there. Then if you get into the clinic and this isn't a screening tool to eliminate access. This is a screening tool to make sure access to all is possible and that we don't have people on the schedule that shouldn't be there. Right? So you should have been to Matt earlier 
You should have been, you know, you had your shoulder dealt with in the right place, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the shoulder place, if whatever, if that's where you got the back, should have possibly sent you out elsewhere. And then you get in front of the physio. And then, yes, they have a responsibility to evaluate you. During that evaluation, determine if you are the proper fit, meaning can we help you? And if they're a little gray, yes, schedule a follow-up. Let's see the results of this. Another follow-up. You know what? This isn't going where I thought it should. Now refer out. So that there should be a refer out at any of those steps, in my opinion. And, and I would follow that up by saying that's a two-way street as well, isn't it? So yeah, if, I, if I had been provided with better patient skills before I entered that physiotherapy room, then I could also make a judgment, couldn't I, as to whether that was the right physiotherapist for me or not. Um, but, but, but yeah, I, I couldn't do that. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't, I probably wasn't well enough to do that, but also I didn't have the skills to actually ask the questions as to whether that was the right fit or whether there was a better fit. Yeah, that's that. See, this is yeah, this this is great stuff because even giving you or sharing with you information prior wouldn't have necessarily been enough. So I, I think I th I think the biggest take home out of both of that. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is what I heard is that there's a responsibility every step of the way for the provider's office, including the provider, and there's an opportunity every step of the way for the patient. That's right. Yeah. And so, right. And then the mutual, this is what's interesting here. The mutual agreement that this isn't right for us is what basically ends it. Correct? Maybe. Yeah. And, and, and my practice, uh, sorry, my experience of, of that is that if a physiotherapist has decided that physiotherapy isn't necessarily working or they wanted to wait for an MRI or something like that, then I'm discharged and I'm not put on to somebody else's lists. Um, which, which is the way it is over here. I, I'm, you know, please, please trust me, I'm not complaining or anything like that. It's... It's just interesting, isn't it? Interesting is a great word. Yeah. All right. I think that might be a good point to stop. This okay. was a great conversation. Um, so I want to thank Tina immensely. Um, very popular word these days that I actually enjoy using is vulnerability because I think that's a lot what it takes for someone to share their story to help us and actually anybody who listens to this is go back and listen and think about because everybody's going to go what do i need to do as the provider yet I, I i think and i had no idea this was going to come up the biggest takeaway from this is the patient skills mm. i would like to believe so i'm gonna all my biases all my beliefs i would like to believe what i've been doing along the way is helping the patient with their skills i just haven't been labeling it that way Yet the biggest takeaway from this is allowing, giving, empowering the patient. Yeah. 
you know, it's funny. Uh, providers always want to say, I want to practice at the top of my license. So I want to make sure I have the skills. I have all this. Well, to that same argument, we need to make sure patients can practice at the top of their skills. And if we withhold information, by the way, not knowingly, but we withhold information and then we say, well, they were non-compliant and then they shrug their shoulders and go, I had no fucking idea what to do. I have to make sure I get one effort in every show, but that's it. And then because we turn around, that's our non-compliant patient to go back to a conversation that we were both involved in for the last couple of weeks, Tina, is because then we go, I had a non-compliant patient. It was like, oh man, yes and no. You had a patient who didn't know what the hell they needed to do would be a better definition. And again, that comes back on everybody. So this patient skills part was, was huge. Yeah. And, I and, and, I, and I would pick up on the, the word empowerment and yeah. say, I've needed to be empowered. And when I'm empowered, I can make my own decisions, adaptations, and it can help me lifelong. Because I think a lot of it is about lifelong learning to, to deal with the condition. Yeah, that's awesome. We're definitely going to end it on that because I, this is a great conversation and anybody who's hearing a, an interview or conversation with the provider and a patient, not in the context of the treatment room. If you're hearing this for the first time, you can hear the power of this and why it was so important that I get someone on this podcast. I've had another episode with Lisa, Lisa Mack and her PT. So it was actually a three-way call. Um, that's an awesome share also. So I want to thank you very much. Um, again, this was, um, which one was this episode five? So it's so funny. This is the front desk series and, um, there's so much value in here. If you're stepping out of this and going, was there much value for the front desk part? Go through it again and take notes. Like I did. I took two pages worth of notes during this conversation. So again, uh, two weeks will be uh, episode number six. I have no idea what it's going to be following this. We might do some tech stuff, but we're going to keep going with this. And I think we need to bring all of this information together and look at this whole, again, another takeaway besides that patient skills. The next thing I heard, even though, again, we acknowledge many times the system is different, we heard about this whole experience and the value to after someone completes a course of care, never to say discharge again the value of delivering some information before they arrive. So thank you again, Tina. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Good. Pleasure to talk to you. Good. And we'll see you all in two more weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and write us a review. We'd love to uh, see your thoughts and opinions on this. And uh, if you really like what you heard, then why don't you subscribe so you make sure and get the uh, latest notifications every time we post a new episode. If you want to stay in touch with Jerry, make sure and head on over to jerrydurhampt.com and click on the stay in contact button. And I tend to hang out on Instagram at jerrydurhampt and Facebook at jerrydurhampt. Thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you again. Bye-bye.